0: chapter 3 through 7 today. Yeah, that's right. I'm not playing around. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Job 3. After this, Job opened up his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. For a beautiful day, Lord, we thank you for just the ability to come together as the body of Christ, Lord, to encourage one another, strengthen one another, to hear from you, Lord, through passages of Scripture. We know this book speaks of you. The volume of the book speaks of Jesus. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts and touch us. We pray for tonight, Lord, again, as Pat said, with the evil that is out in this land, in this world. The enemy has come to steal and destroy and to kill and to murder. And so, Lord, we pray for protection for the innocent. And so, Lord, thank you again for the body of Christ and for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So where are we? In chapter 3. That's it. It is uh, the last two chapters, Job Uh, is undergoing this pain and this suffering of what he doesn't know is going on behind the scenes there has been a discussion in heaven between the Lord and Satan and, and the Lord said have you have you looked at my servant Job that he is upright and blameless and there is none like him and so Satan, obviously, because he is the accuser of the and said, well, you know, if you would just lower the hedge a little bit and let me touch all that he has, he'll surely curse you. And so in chapter 1, God allowed him to, to do that, to touch his family and his livelihood. And at the end of it, Job did not curse God. In chapter 2, Satan came again to God, and God said the very same thing. Have you seen my servant Job, that he is upright and blameless? And there is none like him. And Satan says, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But let me touch his bones, his flesh, and he will curse you. And so God again dropped the hedge again and said, okay, you can touch him, but you cannot kill him. And at the end of the uh, chapter, we saw Job sitting on an ash heap full of boils and his three friends coming to him to comfort him, and they have been sitting there for seven days. The best friends you'll ever have are those who sit with you and keep their mouth closed. Amen. Wow, we learned a golden nugget last week. You want to be a good friend? Keep your mouth closed. Because we're going to see something that's interesting. We're going to see these three friends, and their their discourse is going to start today, that they have some form of knowledge of God, but at the end of it, God rebukes them for their folly and how they're dealing with their friend Job. Are you ready? Job 3. After this, Job opened up his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Now, as we work our way through, we're going to see that Job will make a statement, that his friends will make a statement, Job will have a rebuttal to their statement, and that will go on and on until we get to the Lord who says, all right, I've had enough with you guys. Let me tell you the truth. And so we're going to get through a lot of that. One thing I want to make note, we'll make of this in, in the next chapter, we'll pause a second, is that this is an inspired uh, book of the Bible, right? All of it is, all 66 books. But that doesn't mean everything that's in the scripture is for us gospel truth. It is God allowing man to reveal his thoughts. It doesn't mean that they are right thoughts or that they are doctrinally true. Amen? You need to know that because you can find yourself in a position as uh, Job's three friends who are very legalistic, And that's how they approach God. And we're going to see that approach is totally wrong. So Job spoke and said, May the day day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, a male child is conceived. And may the day be darkness, and may God not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May the darkness and the shadow of death cling to it, and may a cloud settle upon it. And may the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it, and may it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, that my night be barren. Make, uh, may no joyful shout come upon it. And may those who curse it curse the day, and those who have already aroused Leviathan. And may the stars of the morning be dark, and may it be light, and have none, and not seeing the dawning of the day, because it did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide sorrow from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Now, The thing that's interesting that we're going to see is Job's friends and this discourse and how they think that they know Job, but Job is really in a painful spot where he says, it would have been better if I wasn't born. Now, no show of hands, but we could say a lot of people have thought the very same thing. Why was I even born to go through these uh, painful situations of my life? That's where Job is. And Job is just declaring to God, hey, why did you even uh, allow me to be born at all? Because I'm going through all of what I am going through. He said, why did the knees, verse 12, receive me or the breasts that I should nurse? For now I would have lain still and been quiet and I would have been asleep, and then I would have been at rest. You can understand Job because Job is sitting on an ash heap, and he is in pain and suffering, right? And he says, hey, at death is where you're at rest, so that's where I should be. I should be dead. He said, with the kings and the counselors of the earth who build their ruins for themselves, for the princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, Or why was I not hidden like a stillborn child, or like an infant who never saw the light? There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. And there are prisoners rest together, and they do not hear the voice of the oppressor. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery? And life to the bitter of the soul, who long for death and do not come, and search for it more than the hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and who are glad when they find the grave. And why is the light given to a man who, whose way is hidden and whose God is hedged him in? For my sign comes before I eat, and my groanings pour out like water. For the thing I greatly feared had come upon me, and what I dreaded had happened to me. And I I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, and I have no rest for my troubles. We'll talk about 25 and 26 in a minute. So here is Job. Uh, you You can listen to that chapter, and this guy is bummed out, is he not? Not only is bummed out, but he's at the point where he would just rather be taken out of the picture. And what we're going to see is interesting. He thinks a lot like every human being on planet Earth, that if I die, the pain will go away. But that's not always the truth. Isn't that the lie of suicide? That the enemy always says, hey, if you take yourself out, the pain will end. Well, that is the, that's kind of the idea behind what Job is trying to say. But as we look at Job's life, notice with me in verse 25 here and 26, he says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. It would seem that Job had this idea that, listen, it's going too good right now. How many of you have ever thought that? Hey, things are going way way too good my job's going too good something's about to happen and job maybe whether it's right or not had this premonition or thought that it was all going to crash around him and he says hey the thing that i greatly feared has come to pass and what i dreaded has happened to me am i not at ease nor am i quiet and i have no rest for the trouble comes. Oh, the trouble comes. He speaketh now. Chapter four. Do you see how fast we're going? Isn't this exciting? John, can you turn that down one degree? Then Eliphaz the Timnite answered and said, if anyone attempts a word with you, will you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Don't you love those friends? I got to speak, Job, because you're driving me crazy. This begins a long section in the book of Job where Job's friends counsel him, and then he answers them. His friends speak with more or less three rounds, each speech followed by a uh, a reply from Job, as we mentioned. At the end of these speeches, then God comes into, into play, and then he will declare what is important. In the controversy of these three friends, we have a unity of thought based on a common principle, and this is what I wanted to get to this morning because this is the thought of the day. Listen to the thought of the day. It's not the thought uh, that we hold. Well, hopefully, we don't hold that, but it was something that was taught to them. Remember, if you were if you were uh, uh, prospering, if you had. Uh, sheep and donkey and lots of servants and all of that, that God was blessing you. But if you were poor, somehow God was looking down upon you because you had sinned. Everybody got that? So the principle is this, that all suffering is punitive rather than instructive. Everybody get that? So this is the thought of the day. This thought continues to the day of Jesus. Remember when Jesus said, Call, and He tells His disciples uh, to call God Father. No one had ever called God Father in the Old Testament. They didn't know that type of a relationship with God. Their relationship with God was this, that all suffering was punitive rather than instructive and that it was based on God's justice rather than His love. And though these are ever combined in a way that we see In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we understand that God does protect the righteous and he does set them aside from uh, the wicked as we saw in the book of Revelation. And so God does not judge the righteous with the wicked. Again, through their speeches, as we will see, we're gonna see that they have this theological position and they keep it. And their view is this, that the righteous are rewarded and the unrighteous are are punished. And we'll see this over and over. And they will beat poor Job into the ground with the idea that Job, what has happened to you is because of your sin. I, I titled the, the, me, the message today, uh, Stop Asking Why. But I thought about titling the message, uh, how many of you, and this would be a long title for a message, but how many of you uh, you know hate it when you get punished or get rebuked for something you did not do? That's where Job is. Job doesn't know chapter one and two, and his friends are so theologically right in their head, not in their heart, but that is what they will use to pummel poor Job over and over, and they will beat him down with the idea, Job, you have sinned against God, and that is why all of this is happening to you. And so their view again was that the righteous are rewarded and the unrighteous are punished. And so Job, having willfully sinned, was in need of repentance, they thought. Their reasoning was this, all suffering is punishment for sin. Job is suffering, therefore Job is a sinner. But this again contradicted what God said in chapters 1 and 2. Now, when we're getting into these chapters four and five, we're going to see that Eliphaz is the main guy. It seems like he is the older of them and he speaks. It's interesting that his name means God is strength or God is fine gold. It would seem that his name is not living up to his character. God is strength or my strength. Sadly, as we will see through this, they start to lose their compassion for Job as Job brings his rebuttals to them and he keeps saying over and over, I haven't sinned against the Lord. Go ask everyone around. I haven't done anything against God. But they keep hammering him. And there's a couple of things to note as we work our way through. As a friend speaking to somebody like Job, please don't say this if you've never experienced it don't say, I know what you're you're going through. Do you know that that is the worst thing that you could ever say to somebody if you've never experienced that? If you've lost a child, okay, you might be able to speak about that, but you don't know the entire, uh, you know, particular circumstances around that. We've all lost a job, but maybe you don't know what that really feels like to somebody. And again, from last week, it is often much better to listen than to speak. And as We'll see from Eliphaz, he can't not speak. You know why? Because he thinks he's Mr. Sparney (laughs) Pants. And you know these people in your life. And you know what's more dangerous than that? He thinks he's religious and and right with God. And God's going to blow him out of the water. Do you realize when we get to the end, God is the one, he singles Eliphaz out. And he says, buddy, you have no idea what you're talking about. Where were you when I formed everything? And he'll get into that. Again, it's worth noting that while these three three friends become less and less understanding in both senses of the word, through the book, Job becomes more and more understanding of God's ways. So this is interesting. The longer this goes through and the more discourse it has, the more Job is um firmed in his heart that he is not doing anything wrong. And what they're saying is bunk. Um, eh, we'll just leave it there <laughs> until the Lord has to deal with these three friends. Again, the arguments of the three friends may be summarized as the following. Eliphaz stresses experience or general observation. And he's going to say, I have seen. He is the older Of the three and so he's he's gonna say this I've lived on this earth a long time and I've never seen anybody do what you've done well I have but they've been sinners but that's not correct is it and I need you to know this through their discourses there might be stuff that is technically correct but not in Job's case it might apply to somebody else but it doesn't apply in this situation and so we have to be very careful about our experiences or general observations. Bildad, on the other hand, is a voice of tradition and authority of antiquity. He goes back and says the things of the fathers, his discourse about the Proverbs and his um, how pious he is and him bringing up the fathers of old. This is what we've seen uh, in our past. And then Zophar is the... Uh, he's the legalist. He's the religious legalist. He presumes to know what God will do in any given case and why he will do that. And uh, even though some of his thoughts might be correct, in this situation with Job, they are not correct. So, uh, as a friend to somebody going through something really terrible and painful, let's not do what these three friends do. So, Then Eliphaz the Timnite answered and said, If anyone attempts a word with you, will he become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Again, Eliphaz uh, felt compelled to speak. His love and his concern for Job strongly motivated him to help his suffering friend. But nevertheless, it will be found later that he is wrong. So he feels compelled to, like Peter, open up his mouth. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, right? One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And God has to, from heaven, says, Pete, you got to be quiet. Listen to my son. And you might be in that place where you feel like you need to give your wisdom, but that's not what they need. You know what they need? They need you to sit with them, hug them, hold their hand, or just listen, have coffee, have some bacon. That's always healing. (laughs) I don't know about you. Uh, Yeah, you can't afford it anymore. What is it, like $35 a pound? What is this, Russia? Soon. Soon. So let's not do what his friends do, amen? So when I tell you to highlight some stuff in their discourses, some of it is technically right, right? That if you sow to corruption, you're going to reap the world when he's going to say that. That's a true principle. But that doesn't mean that that applies to Job. I, I say this all the time. What the church needs more than anything else is this, the, the gift of discerning spirits or discernment, to know when to speak and when to shut thy mouth and just be there as a friend. Seriously, having coffee with somebody is very therapeutic. Just sitting, having tea, whatever your beverage is, uh, you know, that is, you're just there. Hey, I'm thankful that you're just here. Now, are you ready for it? Now starts the bombardment. Surely you have instructed many, and you have strengthened weak hands. I'm not going to give a running commentary on every verse. I'm just going to point out a couple of things. But notice right away what he says. He he, he says the same thing that the religious leaders said to Jesus on the cross. What did they say? He saved others, but him he cannot save. He can't save himself. And so Eliphaz says, hey, you've instructed others in going through painful times. Why don't you heed what you told them? But again, it doesn't apply to Job. Nothing that they say is applying to Job's situation because they don't know chapters one and two, right? So it's frustrating reading this section and knowing they are completely wrong. That's why I can't spend too much Uh, time on it, because I can't stand, you know, to go through that argument of, uh, of, I know you're wrong. This is what the Bible says. There are two genders. Life starts in the womb. So whatever you say after that, I really don't care, because it's against what God says. Surely You have instructed many, and you have strengthened weak hands. And your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble needs. You know, one thing that Eliphaz does here in the beginning is he tells Job, Hey, Job, you have helped a lot of people out. Now Eliphaz thinks it's his time to help Job out. He says, Um, five but now it comes upon you and you are weary it touches you and your trouble he says hey uh, it was good for you to tell other people to buck up but when it happens to you you crumble boy don't you just want to lay holy hands on this guy already (laughs) he says is not your reverence your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope Remember now, whoever perished for being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? Again, his argument is that the righteous never feel the pain of God in a corrective way. So obviously, Job, you have sinned. He says, even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity have sown trouble, reap the seed. Now, that's a true principle. Is it not? If you reap destruction, or if you sow destruction, you're going to reap the whirlwind, which is correct, but not here in this case. He said, by the blast of, of God, they perish, and the breath of his anger, they are consumed. Eliphaz is saying this is coming directly from God, uh, Job. He said, the roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lion are broken. The old lion perishes for a lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. Now this guy has really grated on me. What did he just say? I heard from God. No, let me caution you right now. When you're talking to someone, don't you dare say, thus says the Lord, God told me this and that about you you got to be very careful. Do you know how fast you can destroy a life? Because if you're wrong, how badly things are going to go and that other people will not listen to you for your counsel. The Old Testament says, if you say, thus says the Lord, and it's wrong, do you know what the punishment is? Stony, we've got a pile of rocks outside. It's ready to go. No. So you have to be careful now, a word was secretly brought to me, or I heard from God that, Job, you are messing up. But that's not correct. He said, in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when the deep sleep falls on men, he says, fear came upon me in trembling, which made my bones shake. And then the spirit passed before my f- uh, face, and the hair on my body stood up. And I stood... I'm sorry, it stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes, and there was silence. And then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God, and can a a man be more pure than his maker? Now, what is this elitist to believe? He's, He's seen something, or he's hearing something, but we know the Bible tells us that the devil masks himself as an angel of light. So many times people think that they're hearing from God, That's not necessarily true. Let me give you an example. God told me to marry my unsaved boyfriend. That's a lie from the pit of hell because God would not go against his word. You are not that special in the universe that God is going to lay aside all of his law, right, to allow you to do something that you want to do. But the enemy will tell you that, and he'll say it to you not in a creepy, weird voice, right? He'll say it to you in a way that you think that it's coming from God. He might throw in a little scripture to back up his lie. So we have to be very careful. The Bible tells us to test all spirits in 1 John, to test them. How do we test them? We test them against God's word. So what is coming into my head, is that against God's word somewhere in the Bible? Yes, then you are not to believe it. It is against what God is wanting for your life. Again, God does not put a... I was hearing a, a, a pastor say this. He says, God does not suspend gravity when one of his kids is going to fall off a roof. Do you understand what he said? God doesn't lay aside laws, all those spiritual or physical laws, just for his kids. That means we all have to obey the physical and spiritual laws on planet Earth. Amen? So careful of the edge. So can a mortal be more righteous than God? And can a man be more pure than his maker? Boy, the enemy loves to go after God's word like that. If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with air, how much more of those who dwell in the house of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth? What I... uh, what I like about Job is every once in a while, it's kind of what happens today. There is accidental journalism that happens, that they, they used to do journalism, and then every once in a while, right, they, they accidentally do a good job and reveal a story that's insightful. Eliphaz does the same thing here. He doesn't know what he's saying, but what he said is, how much more of those who dwell in the house of the Lord, I'm sorry, in, in verse 18, if he charges his angels with error, who was the first angel who erred? It was Satan. So Eliphaz makes this point. He doesn't really realize what he is saying uh, because maybe uh, Satan is talking to him. He said, they are broken into pieces from morning until morning and they perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even with wisdom. And then he just keeps talking. Chapter 5. Call out now. Is there anyone who will answer you? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? I, I, I think that's interesting that Eliphaz says, hey, uh, even call out to the angels. See which one will help you and deliver you. For wrath kills a foolish man and envy slays a simple one. So he's going to call out Job on multiple levels here. And he says he calls him, number one, a fool. Job, you're a fool. There is something in your life that you have done against God. Just admit it and let's be done with it so we don't have to get to chapter 40. He says, and envy slays a simple one. Job doesn't have envy. He was the greatest of all the men in the east. He had everything that his heart desired. He said, I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling place. His sons are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate, and there is no deliver. Now this guy needs to be—I'll uh, just say it and then repent tomorrow. Punched. Why? What did he just say? He just brought up wound from chapter one. He said, "Job, your kids were crushed in a home." I, I mean. How insensitive do you have to be that you bring up the guy's kids that were killed? And then you're going to say to him, it's your fault, Job, that they died. This is why God just levels it against Eliphaz, by the way. But please, it didn't take him two chapters to be totally insensitive, did it? I mean, my long list of pet peeves. One of them is believers who say things in such an insensitive way to other believers. And I look at them and say, and you're calling yourself a believer by what you're saying to them? How dare you would say that to them? Eliphaz, how dare you say (laughs) that you're a fool and it's your sin and (laughs) your kids are dead because of you? Oh, you'll want to punch him later. Sorry. Right. He says, "But there's no deliver." Verse five says, "Because the hungry eat up his harvest, taking it even from the thorns and the snares, snatches their substance." The uh, the raiders that came in and stole all of his crops. Now he talks about his kids and his livelihood. He says, "For your affliction does not come from the dust." nor does trouble spring from the ground. He says, it doesn't just pop up, Job. It's your fault. You've done something. Yet, man is born to trouble, and the spark f- sparks fly upward. But as for me, listen to El- Eliphaz. It's kind of like, well, I don't do anything wrong. But as for me, Job, I don't know about you, but I would seek God. And to God, I would commit my cause. Job already did that. Job has already said, it's like, were you not listening, or were you just writing down what you were about to say to me? Again, listen more. There's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. Eliphaz is not doing that, and he is trying to get something across. By the way, uh, that annoys me. When somebody just has this argument, they want to play out with you, but they are not listening to you at all. You're like, are you not listening to me? I just said that. Were you not here? I just pleaded my cause to God. He says in verse 9, Who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number? Who gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields and sets On high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted up to safety. He frustrates the devices of the crafty, so that their hand cannot carry out their plans. (laughs) He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of their cunning comes quickly upon them. And they meet with darkness in the daytime, and they grope in the noontime as in night. But he saves the needy from the sword and the mouth of the mighty, and from their hands so the poor have hope, and injustice shuts their mouth. Behold, <laughs> like he's some great orator. <laughs> Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Now again, verse 17, that's correct, is it? Okay, good. That, that's what Hebrew says. That's correct. Does it apply here? I'm going to say that about 600 times through this whole second. It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply to Job. But here, that's a correct doctrine, which is blessed is the man whom God corrects. God corrects his children. In Hebrews, it says a man doesn't when he is being chastened for the moment, he's not excited about it, but when it's over, he realizes what needed to happen in his life so he can move forward. He says, therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. And he shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. Job, if you just repent, God will heal you and God will do everything if you just confess your sins right now. But how frustrating is it for Job to sit there and go, I didn't do anything wrong. That's why I started out the message. How frustrating is it when somebody says something against you, you know, condemns you, uh, uh, you know, you get in trouble for something that you did not do. Now, you know what a principle is in the New Testament, isn't? Oh, he has to bring that in. This is what God tells us in the New Testament, even if your boss did that, suck it up, buttercup, and be a good witness. Now, that's different. That's the New Testament. That's the law of love, to bless those who curse us, to do good to those who spitefully treat us. By the way, just so everybody is on a perky note, because I know what you're thinking, how in the world are we leaving perky today? we're going to go to Matthew 5 and hear some red letters because I need Jesus when I'm reading through Job. Amen? Amen. Woo! Let's keep going with this guy. Um, 18. Um, Yes. For he bruises and he binds up, he wounds, but his hands make whole, and he shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, yea, even... Seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine he shall redeem you from death and in war from the power of the sword. And you shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue and you shall not uh, be afraid of destruction when it comes. And you shall laugh at destruction and famine and you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the field. For you shall have a covenant with stones of the field and beasts of the field shall be at peace with you And you shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. And you shall also know that your descendants shall be many, and your offsprings like the grass of the earth. Again, frustrating is that Eliphaz is kind of right. And he's kind of right in this, that if you are at war with God, and everyone is at war with God if you have not made peace with God through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So if you're not a believer, you're at war with him. This statement is totally correct for you. When you come to Christ, that war, that hostility ceases, and you now become a child of God. Look, it's a great statement. Your tent is at peace. Who doesn't want their tent at peace? their home at a, as, as a peaceful place. And it's often not peaceful because the sin that is operating inside of that house. So it is correct, but not with Job. So there's stuff for us to take from this Eliphaz. Verse 26 and 27, but sh- you shall come to the grave at full age as a sheaf of a grain ripens in its season. Interesting. You shall come to the grave at full. So, so there's wisdom there. Hey, Job, we're all gonna die, and you're gonna come to the grave when you are ripe. And the principle is, when God's done with you, then we go home. When you have fulfilled your purposes on planet Earth, then you're done. But behold, this is what we. <laughs> I'm sorry. Behold, this is what we've searched out. It's true. Hear it. For, I, for know for yourself. Guys, aspirin is good and effective medicine, but it is useless against cancer. Does that make sense? So too, like Eliphaz and his friends. On its own, it's right and correct and good and true, but because it is wrongfully applied, it becomes useless. And Job is going to tell us, it is useless what you just said to me. Well, let's see, Job. 6. Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid on it with the scales. Buddy, I'm already in a bad place. You just heaped more upon me. That is not a good friend. To heap more weight upon, our, uh, upon the people that we're trying to help. 4. Verse 3. For then it would have been heavier than the sands of the seas, then my words, uh, I'm sorry, therefore my words were rash. So Job's outburst in, in Job 3 didn't, and, and notice he hasn't cursed God, but he's getting close to the line. He keeps asking why. Job here admits that his words were indeed rash, but explained that it was because of the excessive heaviness. Of his grief. Now, no show of hands. How many of you ever said something you didn't want to say? How many of you have ever been rash in your statements to God? Well, we can understand. That's why look, we can understand chapter 3. I wish I'd have never been born. We can understand that. It's not right, it's not correct for the child of God, but we can understand that. And I love how Job goes, by the way. The, the interesting thing about Job's friends is, again, the longer Job's friends talk, the more Job gets closer to God. The more he realizes that he is uh, not necessarily correct with God and everything, and even his theology, and he gets closer to God. And I like the fact that Job, as we'll see, repents. He says, hey, my, my words were rash. I said something stupid. He said, uh, verse 4, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me, and the Spirit drinks in their poison, and the terrors of God are arrayed against me. Job feels like God is shooting him with arrows. Have you ever felt that way? You know why? They come out of nowhere. And he's are like, what was that for? And you just keep getting hits. Well, it's not necessarily from God, as we know. He says, does the wild onky, onk? What's an onky? Well, it's not a honky. So, (sighs) does the wild donkey, my, oh, I'm losing it. Does the wild donkey bray with its grass or does the ox low with its fodder or the idea is play with its food? Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Thank you, Job. Finally, somebody said it. Salt is amazing biblical. <laughs> or is there any taste in a white, <laughs> white of an egg? Don't you love that? Job described how the words of Eliphaz tasted to him. He says, your words, Eliphaz, were empty, weak, and flavorless. I don't know about you, I can't stand bland food. And like, give me some hot sauce, give me something, pepper, cinnamon, something. He said, my soul refuses to touch them, and they are loathsome food to me. Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing which I have longed for. What is he asking for? He's asking for an audience with God. That's all he wants. He just wants to go before God and plead his case. But as we know, the Bible says, if we were to stand before God and plead our case, we could say nothing, because holiness stands before us truth and justice and there is the don't you love those people say well when I stand before God I'm going to give him a piece of my mind oh please let me stand next to you when that happens (laughs) I'll be right over here popcorn please let me stand. I want you to give God a piece of your mind please your little three percent brain (laughs) he says oh that I might have my request that God might grant me the thing which I long for that it would please God to crush me, that He would lose my hands and cut me off. Now He says, He says, I just want to go to God and say, "Take me out. I don't want to be here anymore." Verse ten. Then I would still have comfort, and though in anguish I would um, exalt and would not be spared, uh, sp- and He will not spare. For I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? In my strength, the strength of stones or my flesh of bronze. Is my help not within me and its success driven from me? And to him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friends, (laughs) even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. So Job says, hey, why should I prolong my life in, in where I am? And don't you love in verse 14, he says, "He says uh, to him who is afflicted, kindness should be showed from, he look right at his friend. You guys are not what God wants to have in my life right now. You are not the friends that I need. The friends that are need are the ones that were sitting here for seven days keeping their mouth closed. 15, my brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brook that passes away, which are dark because of the ice in which the snow vanishes. And when it is warm, they cease to flow. And when it is hot, they vanish away from their place. And the path of their, uh, the way turns aside, and they go nowhere and perish. And the caravans of Tima look, and the travelers of Sheba hope for them. And they are disappointed because of their confidence. And they come there and they are confused. But now you are nothing and you see terror and are afraid. Now, let me just say something because we can be reading a section and you can say like I said, what are you talking about? I know you, you, you were thinking the same thing. You just didn't want to shout it. What is he talking about? I have no idea. People oftentimes in this place, listen, this, this happens they'll rant or they'll talk about something that doesn't make sense at all. You still got to be there and you still got to sit through it and you got to comfort them. Keep going. <laughs> Hopefully we'll understand in a minute. Verse 22, did I ever say bring, bring something to me or offer a bribe for me from your wealth? Job says finally something we can understand. I didn't ask you guys to come here. We can understand that. Why are you even here? Why did you call me? I didn't ask for your counsel. Or deliver me from my enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the oppressor. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand where I've erred. Now Job's getting, he says, look, Show me the proof. Guys, we live in a world, and I have very little time today, that things are declared that are gospel truth, but they never show you the data. They never show you the, the evidence. They just want you to believe that it's true. But it's not true. And what Job says is, hey, <laughs> show me the evidence. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue. He says in verse 25, how forceful are right words but what does your arguing prove? Oh, I like that. Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one, which are of the wind? Yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me for I would never lie to your face. He he says, you know me. Now, uh, again, not to stay here, Is it frustrating that you have friends that you know for so long, that know you so well, and as Job says, you know me, you know what I've done, you know my integrity, and you're calling me out on something that you know deep in your heart is not correct. He says, "You uh, now therefore be pleased to look at me, for I would never lie to your face. Yield now. Let there be no injustice. Yes, conceal my righteousness still stands. I'm sorry. Yes, concede my righteousness still stands. Is there justice on my tongue? Cannot my taste discern the unsavory? Chapter 7. Stop looking at your watch. Is there not a time of hard service for man on the earth and not his days are also like the days of a hired one? And the idea is man has hard service. Man goes through things. It's fine. Like a servant who earnestly desires the shade and like a hired man who eagerly looks for his wages, so I have allotted uh, months of futility and wearisome nights have been appointed to me. Listen to what he said about months. How long has it been since chapter 2 to when his friends got there? We don't know. We just know they showed up. So it could be that he has been sitting on that ash heap for months. He says, my flesh is caked with worms and dust. Good before lunch there. My skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is but a breath and my eye will never see good. Man, this guy is a bummer. He's getting to that place now. He's like, again, it's poor me, isn't it? He says, "'The eye of him who sees will not see me no more, "'and while your eyes are upon me, I shall no longer be, "'as a cloud that disappears and vanishes away. "'So he who goes down to the grave does not come up, "'and he shall not return to his house, "'nor shall his place be known anymore. "'Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. "'I will speak in anguish of my spirit, "'and I will complain in the bitterness of my soul.'" Job has got to the place where he says, I'm not going to stay silent because I haven't done anything wrong. Oftentimes, we need to let God do our defending, yes, but it's hard to do that when you got three friends right in front of you. I mean, it, he could have just said, I'm pleading the fifth and go talk to God. And God will come into the conversation in a bit. And then you, um, no, where did I go? Twelve? Uh Am I, a, am I a sea or a sea serpent that you shall set a guard over me? And when I say my bed will cover me, my couch with ease, my complaint, <laughs> the idea is, hey, if I just rest and sit down, I'll, I'll, I'll be comfortable. And then you scare me with your dreams and terrify me with your visions so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my body. This is why we're going to hear from Jesus because this is... Sad, isn't it? He says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone for my days are but a breath. I I highlighted this section, let me alone. How many of you have felt that way with God? God, just leave me alone. But a loving father will not. When your kids are miserable... And they're playing the poor me. Do you just leave them be or do you do everything you can to help them? I I have a way with my kids. Uh, I just do really dumb things. Any other dads do that? To make your kids laugh and get out of the funk and have joy again and show them, you know, that life isn't just a tweet or a post or a gram. Life is more than social media. And kids can be so bummed out by some really dumb things. And as you get older, you realize, okay, that's not something to worry about. And so you try to help them out. But we can, we can understand that he says, let me alone. He says, what is man, verse 17, that you should exalt him and that you should set his heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? <laughs> Leave me alone, God. How long will you not look away from me and let me alone till I swallow my saliva? Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O, wretched, o watcher of men? Why have you set me as a target so that I'm burdened to myself? Now, verse 20, he is getting close to the line. And God's going to call Job on it. Job, where were you when I created all these things? That's getting pretty close. And he says, why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me diligently, but I will no longer be. He says, Lord, if I've done something wrong, why don't you just pardon me and then I'm done with it and then I can, I can just die. <laughs> Maybe... You feel the same way today. But that's not what we want to end with. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Through the book of Job, I'm going to try to end with a little Jesus each time so that we are comforted. Amen. Amen. And I thought this was good because it applies to Job and to us as well. And he opened up his mouth, verse 2, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see how many on this list Job is? That's why I wanted to read it. It applies to him, but it applies to us. He says, blessed are you when they they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. That's what his friends are doing. Notice, for my name's sake. And here we go, let's end with this rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We rejoice in God and what he has done, not anything that man says against us. If our conscience is clear before the Lord, we too, like Job, can bring our cause before God and say, Lord, where have I erred? I think that's a great thing to say on a weekly basis. Where have I erred, Lord? So read, <laughs> read ahead in Job. You're like, we're not coming. We're not coming anymore. That was enough. Tell me when you get to chapter 40. <laughs> read ahead in Job, Wednesday night in the book of Psalms. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word and we do, Lord, thank you for Job. We do even thank you for Job's friends to enlighten us, Lord, on what to do and what not to do. Lord, thank you for the truth that's in your word. The whole Bible, all 66 books, how important they are for our lives. And so, Lord, we, just, we bless your holy name as we, we sung today. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you have given the body of Christ, to use them for your purposes and for your kingdom and i pray for anybody lord today hurting from a friend who has been wounded like job and lord that you would just take away that pain and that grief that you would set their feet upon a rock that rock who is christ we love you lord and we thank you for this day thank you for the rest of this day with family and friends and again lord we do pray that your hand would keep evil at bay in jesus name amen let's